What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome back to the Wellpreneur Podcast. This is the final episode in season six of the Wellpreneur Podcast, and I am really excited to bring you this interview with Eleanor Beaton. We're going to be talking about alignment and authenticity and visibility. Now, if the idea of visibility makes you shrink inside a little bit, you are extra going to want to listen to this episode because... As entrepreneurs, we need to stretch our comfort zones a bit and either put ourselves out there, right, that buzz term that you hear all the time, and put our businesses out there. We need to be able to stand in our power and speak our message with confidence and become visible, right? It's important. It's key because if people don't know what you're doing, how are they going to buy from you? How's your business going to grow? So that's what we're talking all about today in this conversation with me and Eleanor Beaton. Now, as always, you can get all the links in the show notes at wellpreneuronline.com. And if you are the kind of business owner who really wants to step into the flow and let your life and work feel easier to stop pushing and forcing and really let yourself flow with the natural energy and and with the flow of your work, then you'll definitely want to check out my free six-day Find Your Flow email series. You can sign up for it at wellpreneuronline.com. And over the course of six days, I'm going to give you some practices and rituals and um, meditations and different practical skills that you can use to stop forcing and just step into the flow. It feels really good. And I'd love to have you join us for that little six-day online experience. Again, you can sign up for that at wellpreneuronline.com. I'd also love to hear your takeaways and your insights from this episode. You could share that in our Wellpreneur community group on Facebook, where there's over 5,000 entrepreneurs in there sharing and supporting each other as we grow our businesses. And I'd love to hear what your biggest insight was about how you can be more confident in speaking your message and becoming more visible while you're growing your business. I hope to see you over there. Okay, let's get into this interview with Eleanor Beaton. Hi, Eleanor. Thanks for coming on the show. It's such a privilege to be here with you. So I always like to start by asking, how do you describe what it is that you do? Ooh, I love this. So my mission is really to work with women entrepreneurs to support them to be bold and fearless market leaders. Mm, awesome. <laughs> so yeah, it's a fun mission. It's a fun mission. The world just can't have enough bold and fearless leaders. So I want to talk about this because I bet like some of the people listening, they heard you say that and they're like, yeah, do it. I want to go there. And half the people are like, oh, I'm my afraid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And it kind of elicits like a little bit of both because it's like, yeah, I want to be bold and confident, but like, ooh, not too much though. And, and yeah, yeah, so these are some areas that I definitely want to explore with you. Um, so how did you, can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into this work? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I would kind of, uh, define myself as an accidental entrepreneur. I was, um, you know, like so many people, I had this skill set, and my skill set was around communicating with people, being a really excellent listener, recognizing themes and turning those themes into something, you know, in a former life, I was a journalist. And so I would listen, identify themes and turn them into stories. Um, that translated into a business that I ran. It was a boutique communications consulting agency. So I took those same skills and used them with politicians and CEOs um, and leaders of various stripes, helping them to communicate more effectively, both inside their organizations and also with the public. And what was so fascinating about that is I was doing that work and I kind of started to transition more and more doing communications work with leadership teams. And then around those leadership tables, you know, we know that power always kind of congregates in small rooms. And it was around those tables in those small rooms where I started to notice how men and women were showing up differently, how their voices seemed to be heard differently. And that's where some of those women leaders started kind of tapping me on the shoulder and saying, hey, do you, you know, this work that you're doing with this big group, would you consider doing it with me one-on-one? So that's how my work, you know, as a women's leadership coach was born. And it was really exhilarating work. It was really fun work. And in the beginning, I was working both with entrepreneurs and also with women who were leading inside corporate, you know, um, entities. But I just found myself more drawn, like increasingly to women entrepreneurs because of our ability to kind of create our own destiny, to uh, pursue, you know, lives and work that is both meaningful, but offers us a huge amount of freedom and flexibility. It just felt more fun. And to be honest, it felt like that's the borderland where we as women are going to be able to drive gender equity throughout the world. I really believe that entrepreneurship is the way for us to do that. So that's kind of how I got started. And it's really been a process of bravely and gamely jumping through hoops as they appear and doing so, you know, with varying degrees of confidence that the net's going to be there. So one of the, one of the, your, I don't know, like focus areas and I don't know. I don't want to say buzzword, but like tagline or something, something, a phrase that you use a lot that I just love is radical conviction. Yes, girl. (laughs) Yeah. I want to talk. I want to dig into this. So how, what is radical conviction? So radical conviction is this concept uh, that I developed in response to what I was seeing. So in the world of women's leadership, um, and women's development, you know, um, we hear all the time about confidence. And what I started noticing is I was ha- was speaking with women who were um, who were telling me that they had issues with confidence. If I were more confident, I would do this, or it's a lack of confidence that's holding me back from doing that. And I was actually very surprised because when I was, you know, talking to these women, they had all the evidence of being very confident. So they took challenges. They were betting on themselves. They were taking certain risks, you know, um, in support of a vision or a dream that they had. So they were definitely very confident women. But what I really saw was that 
um, in many cases as they were going to do big things to kind of make baller moves, um, they were going into unchartered territory. You know, so confidence is all about it's based on previous experience. It's the sense that I've done this before. I can do this again. But for many of these women that I was speaking with, especially women entrepreneurs who are really looking at uh, making the kind of leap that they haven't necessarily made before, creating some form of exponential growth, they had no previous experience upon which to, to you know, to base a sense of confidence. What they needed in, instead was radical conviction. So radical conviction is an abiding belief, an abiding sense of faith in the power and the rightness of your intentions and your goals, right? So it rules the growth zone, whereas confidence rules the comfort zone. Ooh, right. Yeah, because you need that belief that what you're doing is important and it's valuable and it's worth like pushing yourself and also making other people maybe uncomfortable, you know, going out of what's you know, what's comfortable and what's acceptable in society in some cases to create something new, to make the impact you want to make. And I know a lot of people listening, that's the kind of business they want to have. They have a certain impact they want to make in the world. And what when I hear you talk about that, the thing that pops into mind is that this can be scary because for so many of us, there's a lot of positive reinforcement in being like the good girl, Totally. Right. And doing this, having radical conviction and being like, you know what, like whatever, like good girl or not, like this is what needs to happen and I'm going to make it happen. I think that could be a bit scary. I know I I deal with that whole good girl history, you know, from school and everything. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. So, yeah. What's your take on that? Yeah. You know, I love it's such a fascinating question that you ask. And I have absolutely wrestled with this myself. Um, And it was often this, you know, sometimes it was a very sharp sense of, you know, holding myself back from taking risks. And in other cases, it felt more like this sort of low level, you know, ongoing whisper saying, are you sure you want to do that? You know, are you sure? you might upset people by doing this. You might rock the boat, you know, that kind of thing. As I started to do more research and, you know, this was both kind of reviewing the literature and studies, but also, you know, more sort of qualitative research, working with women and hearing their stories. One of the things started to emerge that this whole idea of taking risks and believing in ourselves to create something that we want to create, making our imprint in the world, um, that the act of doing this actually really fundamentally challenges uh, social constructs of what it means to be a woman and what it means to be feminine. So there's uh, something called the BEM sex role inventory. And this was created like in the 1960s and 70s. It was this kind of this landmark survey where they surveyed, you know, thousands of people. And what they were trying to do was create a picture of how people in North America, at least, how people in North America defined what it meant to be a man or a woman or feminine or masculine. And those are not always the same thing, of course. But what was so fascinating is that when it came down to determining what our social construct of femininity is, it really comes down to two things. It's relational and it's in service. So it's never something we do for ourselves. It's always in relation to somebody else. And it's always 
for somebody else. Mm. So for to be a woman, it's about helping somebody else achieve something rather than building something for ourselves. And so that's where, you know, this idea of radical conviction to me is is a very profound act of a living, breathing embodiment of diversity and inclusion. <laughs> you know, we are actually challenging and pursuing something of impact that's meaningful to us. We're actually challenging the norms of what it means to be a woman in this world. And that's what makes it so exciting a little bit rebellious. It kind of gets those. It, it, there's a lot of energy in that for me. Mm-hmm. And I think just knowing that, like that this radical conviction is a radical act, it is a bit rebellious. It makes it okay. So like I could see that, you know, if I'm feeling a bit of resistance around really getting out there and being confident in, in what I want to create in the world, you're like, you know what? It's okay. Of course, it's going to feel a little uncomfortable because this is rebellious. Like it is <laughs> totally. going against the norms and it's still okay. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It means, well, in my mind, you should do it even more <laughs> totally. you know, to shake things up. Yeah. Um, I caught myself in the beginning, like when I was saying, oh, this whole idea of visibility is going to freak some people out. Like, ooh, is it too much? That's another phrase I wanted to run by you. Like, I think we we encounter that a lot as women, like being too much, too noisy, too out there, too show-offish, too too much. You know, mm-hmm. um, do you run into that block or oh, fear yes. with your clients? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, and of course, you know, everything that I'm sharing here, it's both. You know, I see it, and it's work that I do myself. You know, and I'll give you an example. Like I totally remember um, doing a talk once, and this was when you know I was um, early in my career as a speaker. You know, and so I was I was giving a talk, unbeknownst to me, somebody was broadcasting this talk directly to Facebook Live. So after you know I get home and I'm I kind of log onto my computer and I ha- happen to check out Facebook. And my notifications have blown off the wall and I check out my notifications and it's person after person commenting on this talk. And I check out the talk. I have the guts to look at it for three seconds and then I shut it down. I shut down my computer. I was in a hotel and I literally crawl under the covers because I felt I had done a good job with that talk. I had put it out on the line. I'd really gone for it. And I had this, you know, what I think Brene Brown would probably call like this shame hangover, shame and vulnerability hangover, a feeling in that moment that I was too much, you know, having a place on the stage, being in the spotlight, sharing my message, just the act of doing that, I felt like I was too much. And, you know, I mean, that experience is one of power, And I think when, you know, another theme here that is so critical to women entrepreneurs in particular is, hey, what's your relationship with your own power? Does your power, does the idea of having power, i.e. being listened to, being seen, um, having people listen to and follow what you say, having people give you their money, does you, how does that impact your relationship Like, what is your relationship with power? How do you feel about your own power? Do you have a conflicted relationship with it? How interesting. Let's talk about that. So, you know, I think that idea of being too much, it's easy for us to project on other people. I'm afraid I'm going to be too much for other people. When really, I think the conversation we should be having is how do I, what does too much mean? 
very often it means, oh, that's way too much power, too much visibility, too much airtime for me. How do I feel about my own power? Mm. That's a critical conversation we have to have with mm. ourselves. How can we start to get more comfortable with that idea of, you know, holding and using and being in our power and getting aligned with that? What kind of, I don't know, can you share some mm. exercises or tips or just how, how can we start to shift into that? Oh, yeah, this is such a great one. You know, I think the, the first and foremost, it's this idea of touching base with what that vulnerability actually feels like. And so, you know, when I go back to that story of, you know, seeing the comments light up, feeling this sense of, and I can remember it was like my cheeks started to flush. I had this pit in my stomach. I felt this rushing in my ears and that rushing was my imagination of all these, this horde of people yelling at me that I was wrong. <laughs> you know, like it, it felt pretty dramatic, but that's what it can feel like in the moment, you know, when this is new for you and you're not used to this. And what happened is I put my head under the covers. I tried to make that feeling go away. When as I have learned, what's actually more important is to lean into that emotion, lean into that sense of ambivalence, fear, discomfort that you have about being powerful. Lean into that. Allow yourself to experience that emotion. And what's so interesting is when we make ourselves feel things, like when you really try to feel what you're actually feeling, typically that feeling that you spend so much time trying to run away from that feeling itself takes like 90 seconds and then it, then it dissipates. And on the other side of that is a calm, is a clarity. And that's when you are really able to relax into your power. Mm -hmm. Now, it feels to me like that really has to do to feel powerful. We need to be centered and grounded. And this word that we use a lot um, in the space, aligned. Right. And I, I hear this a lot from listeners that they don't feel totally aligned with their work or and, and it stops them from moving forward. It stops them from taking action. And so mm. I don't know what's been your experience with. I mean, we don't want to just throw our state, you know, like be what is it have radical conviction about like every little thing. Probably it's like mm -hmm. you really want to do it about the work that you're most aligned with. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, it, it's. I think it's really about, you know, um, what is it that you want to, what is it that you want to have? You know, I think it's a fundamental question because we can spend this precious time doing a lot of different things. Um, there's this great, uh, documentary on Netflix right now. It's called inside Bill's mind. And it's all about mm. Bill Gates. You might love him. You might hate him. But undeniably, he's made an impact and he's continuing through his foundation to make a really powerful impact in the world. But there's this great, you know, moment where he's saying, you know, you have to choose what you're going to care about. There's so many things that I could care about. And so for him, the thing that he has chosen to care about, he says, is to make the lives of kids around the world better. <laughs> you know, so through like things like sanitation. And I thought that was a great like, what are you going to care about? What impact do you want to have? And it gets to be whatever you want and you get to choose. And it doesn't have to be one thing, you know, but I think at the end of the day, like we're gathered here today in this conversation because we want to have an impact. So I think, you know, making that choice, pruning, sort of gently pruning our intentions and our projects such that 
that kind of energy and life force is going into the things that are truly meaningful to us. To me, that's, you know, kind of, uh, that's kind of phase one, you know, when it comes to like directing our energy toward that the same way in meditation, you're directing your awareness towards your breath. So it's this process of directing, Mm -hmm. which I think is, you know, really important. And you, you, you know, you brought up this idea of alignment and to me, it's so critical. And so that, you know, first it's like, Hey, where am I going to focus my energy? But there's this other part of alignment for me, which is where am I leaking energy and where am I leaking power? And I have always found that it's, if it's through a lack of consciousness, you know, so for me, alignment is about being clear about the impact I want to have and then taking time every day to ask myself, where do I feel out of alignment around this? You know, what conversations do I have? What commitments do I need to cut? How am I not, you know, how am I not taking care of myself? How am I avoiding feeling things? It's like this daily practice of checking in, which is so critical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love the way you that you talked about that and how the first the first step is to really look at where do you want to make that impact? I heard I'm sure this is a quote, but that you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And it's like, so you have to decide what are those things that you really believe in that you really want to make an impact for. And then, like you said, you know, let the rest fall away and and make sure that you're spending your time on those most important things. Um, Thank you. That's that's yeah, really like food for thought for everybody. Um, One thing I'd love to get your take on, because I know I've been checking out your podcast too, Fierce Feminine Leadership, and you have a series going on about scaling and growing our Mm. businesses. How do you think about growth and scaling and like how big is big enough? Is Ooh, it? that's yeah. Cause right? <laughs> there's there's people out there listening that are like, like I hear all the time people say things like, I just want to make enough money to quit my job. Versus and then you hear some people who are like, I want to make a massive company that's like 10 billion, however much, like huge number, right? Yeah. But in both of those, I feel like sometimes people are just plucking a number out of the air and other times people are just like, I just want to get out of this current situation. So I don't know. How do we, yeah. How do you think about growth? How do you approach that? Yeah. You know, this is such a fabulous conversation because I do get this sense, you know, on the one hand, there is what I believe to be a fallacy. I believe this is an untrue belief that it's easier to make so let's say, you know, let's take, for instance, I just want to make enough money to quit my job. And that's great. And so I'm not suggesting for a moment that there's anything wrong with that dream. Um, I think it's a it's an amazing dream. Typically, the number that people um, would need to make is sometimes a, quite a bit more than they might initially think. But the challenge for me is that when we equate a small number with small effort, You know what I mean? Mm. Or a bigger number with bigger effort. I don't think, I think so that's a a math mindset that I think is really important just to release. So when people say, I just want to make enough money to quit my job, um, or when people say, I want to make this as big as possible, I think the first question often is, okay, that's great. And so what's underneath that? You know, sure, it could be a number, but what do you actually mean? Again, what when you say you want to make it as big as possible, or when you say you just want to make enough to do X, Y, Z, is there another way of saying that? Help me understand what does that mean? <laughs> you know, so I think that's the first 
part. Once you get that, then you can start thinking through, okay, what does that look like from an actual number perspective? Um, and then what's the easiest way, you know, to make that happen. So when I hear, I just want to make enough money to kind of quit my job, what I might guess underneath that is that this is a person who wants to create a sense of abundance or a sense of sufficiency. I don't know if that's a word, a sense of sufficiency in a relatively simple way that isn't so draining that they have to feel like they have to think about their business all the time, that they have to be kind of enslaved to this business or to their clients, or, you know, they can't leave it and have a balanced life or go and take adequate vacation. So to me, if that's the case, really cool, super juicy, let's think about designing a business that's going to truly support that. If it's big, I want to make this as big as possible. Okay, cool. What does that mean? You know, are you totally focused on generating tons of cash, which I love? That's awesome too. And let's look at how you're setting things up to make that happen. But like the big one you think about what, so I want it as big as possible. What does that even mean? Because do you want just like a huge business with like thousands of employees? Because uh, that could be very unprofitable actually and not totally. make the impact in the world. Or you could have a very lean business that was incredibly profitable that made a huge impact. Or, you know, mm -hmm. it's like you have to really define define what it is that you're going for here. And I think for a lot of the listeners, it comes down to impact that they yeah. want to make. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's so agreed. And it's like, I think at the end of the day, you know, it's about creating your personal scale statement. So when I think about scale, so like I sit on the board of a couple of venture capital organizations. And so, you know, these are organizations like funds where we invest chunks of money into companies um, that line up with our investment criteria. And we are looking to get a return on those companies. So in that case, scale means capturing as much market share as you can as quickly as possible, doing so in a sustainable manner so that you can exit the business and so can your investors and make money. And that's typically how we're talking about scale. I mean, so much of entrepreneurship is really governed by this Silicon Valley tech backed startup, you know, mm -hmm. um, narrative. But I would say that the, for the majority of entrepreneurs, you're, you're quite right. It looks very different. And to me, scaling is like, we have the, that ability to say to ourselves, this is what scaling means to me. Scaling means generating as much revenue as I can without adding any existing team members and without spending more than this per month on marketing. So, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Now we've got something to work with, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? Totally. Um, I want to pick up on one of the things that you said, which is that we have this false belief that um, in order to make a bigger business or in order to scale, that's going to like proportionally increase the amount of work. So mm -hmm. I'm sure we've all know the person that works all the time for like, say, you know, just not very much money, say not what yeah. they would want to be making, right? Not enough to feel abundant. And they think, oh my gosh, if I have to grow any bigger, like I'm just going to, I'm just going to have no time at all because I'm already working flat out. And so I'd like you to talk a little bit more about that because maybe trying to create the business that is what everybody wants, the six-figure business, right? To start. So to, to create the six-figure business is not that much different amount of effort from creating a much bigger business, but we think it might be. I don't yeah. know. What do you think about that? 
Ooh, you know, my, like, you know, what's so interesting is I think that I was working much harder. The hardest I ever worked in my life, (laughs) you know, was when I was making about $200,000. You know, when I crossed the seven figure mark in sales, I found that I was able to work much less because of the infrastructure of the business. And I think, you know, this is such a juicy topic. Some people think this is boring, but to me, it's the infrastructure of our freedom. And so it's, it's so important. So very often to hit the six figure mark in sales, you do that essentially by working harder, you know, by bringing in more clients typically, or work or getting more traffic to buy a course or that type of stuff. But I think a lot of people who are listening, I presume who are at around the six figure mark or their goal is to get there. It's about doing more work, you know, potentially raising your prices, but doing more work to service more clients. And that is an amazing way to start because I think it gives you a really good handle and gut instinct on who you're serving and what they care about and what's important to them. You know, it's through this intimacy of work that we get to know them. Now, in order to get to a higher level, you know, a bigger level of growth, now you kind of have to look at changes that you make in the infrastructure of your business. How do you take that one-on-one service and put it into a more leveraged service where you still get to charge not just the same, but maybe even more, you know? And how do you start to put these, how do you think through and build this infrastructure so you're supported by the infrastructure versus the other way around where you are the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I think there's also, and and tell me your thoughts on this, but it seems to me that as businesses really scale, a lot of it is also simplification and really zeroing in on the stuff that's working and maximizing that, doing more of that, putting systems around that, rather than what you see a lot of people just starting out doing and with this very smaller businesses, they're trying to do everything. They're just trying yeah. all these strategies and all these <laughs> offerings and they have 30 different things they sell. Um, whereas as you get bigger, you really can scale through focusing down. Is that what you've seen? You know, God love us in our beginning journeys. Like we will do everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I just love that phase too. Um, just trying things, right? What about this? What about this? You need this. Okay, great. Let's do this. How about a course on this? Agreed. That's like a freelancer. I remember Seth Godin talking about the difference between a freelancer and a CEO and like a freelancer is governed by creativity. Let's create something new every time. A CEO is governed by discipline. It's pruning. You know what I mean? Let's focus our energy and our effort I can tell you that I made the decision, um, you know, as, as my business was growing, I started to go through that very same thing. So I was really serving, I was working in leadership development and I was serving both female founders and women entrepreneurs and also women who are working in the corporate world. And I got to this point where I was literally planning out how to start two different podcasts because I felt that in order to grow, I needed to be able to, you know, hone my message even more, speak to them much more specifically. So Literally, Amanda, I was thinking about doing two podcasts, okay? And then I woke up the next morning and I was like, what are you smoking? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know you live in Canada, but really, what are you smoking right now? Because that's not going to happen and that's not the kind of life that you want and you need to make some deep cuts, <laughs> you know, you need to do some heavy pruning, you need to make some deep cuts and have radical conviction that these cuts and this focus is going to pay off. 
And what's so interesting is that the business doubled within a year of that happening because we were able to execute better. We were more focused, but it was so hard to do. So if there's people listening and you know that, you know, you've heard this before, this is, you know, Amanda and I talking about this is not the first time you've heard it, that we need to focus. Like I've been there. It was really scary you're, I ditched half my audience in a loving way for my own health and well-being and bank account. And it was really, it was the best thing that I could have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've just, my listeners will know, but I've just been going through that journey as well and finally shut Ooh. down one of my website, merged everything together, shifted, like just pulled it together. So all the energies focused in one place. <sighs> Um, and oh it my feel, God, it's how does so it feel? Scary. It was so yes. scary. And then once I did it, it was like, oh, why didn't I do this like two years ago? I know. It feels it's so, so good. Right. It's so oh my good. Gosh. Yeah. To just put everything into one direction rather than trying to get like keep 10 little 10 balls in the air. So yeah, so good. Yeah. And it's okay. I, I remember hearing somebody and I can't remember who it was talked about conmarrying. you know, and that's exactly. And until you go through it, because it brings up so much, I think it brings up that good girl stuff as well. Like I'm letting people down. Yep. You know? Oh, so, uh, you know, and I had to ask myself, oh, so you started a business to make people happy? (laughs) You know, like what? what? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Totally. It's that. And just, yeah. Feeling like you're letting people down or, you know, there's people that have been with you since the beginning and you're going to abandon them and, and that, you know, they do want this thing and you could provide, that's the worst when you know you could provide something. Oh yeah. And you feel like, oh, I could just, and I constantly have to stop myself and be like, no, of course I could, but I'm not going to. And there's somebody else out there that wants to provide that service and you just have to let it go. It's so good. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So for me, you know, the inciting incident for me was like when I realized the insanity of starting two podcasts, like it's, that's going to be completely sane for some people. Like I'm sure there's people listening to this who who are like, what? I have two podcasts. What's up? No big deal. But for you, what, like, I'm so curious, what was it that made you decide to really shift gears and double down on, on a simplified business? Was there a moment? Um, well, it was more of a, a feeling that had been going on for it. What tends to happen is the feeling gets worse and worse and worse until I'm finally like, this is insane. I can't take this anymore. And then I make this change. Right. So for me, it was this feeling that I was almost two different people doing my two different things. Like I'd put on one hat and I'd do this business and then I'd change it and put on my other hat and do this other thing. Like I felt like I was splitting myself and not showing up fully as me anywhere because I was like half of me here and half of me there. Does that make sense? So Totally. Yeah. So I was finally like, this is insane. Rather than spending all this time trying to like cultivate these two different things, why don't I just like cut off all the stuff that isn't working and smush the rest of it together into my personal brand, basically into Wellpreneur. Um, and then, and it's amazing. So not only is everything easier because all the energy is going in one direction, but when I show up, you know, on, on podcasts and everything, it's all of me. It's just me. So it's easier because it's me rather than trying to, you know, fit into the mold of the brand or something. So, yeah. You know, and the thing I think I love about it is, you know, to kind of loop back to this idea of alignment. To me, alignment is being in a state of total integrity Mm. where what I'm what I think and what I say and how I feel and what I believe and how I act is is aligned. 
<laughs> you know? And so sometimes we think about being out of alignment as it's this nefarious thing or we're, you know, or if we're out of integrity, it's like, oh, we're behaving in this bad way. No. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. That can be the case. But another way of being out in, of integrity is when those things aren't lined up you know, and for the purest of intentions and for great reasons, because you know, you can help people and you know, you can do this, but it pulls us out of integrity. And so we're no longer whole in the way that Mm -hmm. we could be. And for me, that wreaks havoc on my wellness. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of, it's not nearly as bad, but when I used to have a corporate job, I always felt like I was putting on a bit of a mask to go to work. You know, and that really wears you down over time to not feel like you can show up fully as yourself. Um, And to a lesser extent, that's what was happening here. So I think for anybody listening, if you feel like you're not if there's some reason you're not able to show up fully in your own business, then the cool thing is you have the power to change it. Right. Because it's your own business. So definitely do it fully do it, do it, do it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we're kind of getting to the end of our, our call, but one this is kind of on a personal side. I'm just wondering, how do you cope with like email and social media yourself? Like not necessarily the business stuff, because I'm sure you have people that do that part, but just your own personal use of it. I'm loving asking guests that this season because it's such an issue for so many of us. You know what? Oh my gosh. It is such a massive issue because it's the, you know, this is really interesting. My relationship with social media is one that I find it's almost like this boyfriend, you know, from (laughs) your past who was both amazing and awful. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And so the way that I think about it, so social media for me, you know, the way that I interact. So I love it because like I live in the countryside, you know, that's, I need to be around the woods and around rivers and lakes and silence, you know? So social media allows me to, I can have a conversation with you, Amanda. I mean, this is just an amazing privilege that I get to do because of social media and learning about your show and listening to your show, you know, all of that kind of stuff. For me, where I find social media, it's a little bit like red wine. So if I'm in a really great place and I'm I'm taking great care of myself and I'm out at dinner and I have a glass of wine because it goes with the meal and I feel like it, that's an awesome thing. If I've had a really stressful day and I come home and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to have a glass of red wine. That is, I am using that as a coping mechanism at that point every single time. I don't care if it's a half a glass of wine or a full glass of wine. I'm using it to cope and process. Same thing with social media. So sometimes I'm using it to discover, to connect, where I find I need to be extremely vigilant with myself is when I'm using it to escape because that's when I'm most likely to experience Um, the stab in the gut that is comparisonitis, that horrible warm bath of feeling that other people have better lives than I do. Um, And this is coming from somebody like I do my work every day and I still am susceptible to feeling these things if I put myself in an environment where that's going to happen. So my personal sense of social is to use it only earlier in the day when I have lots of energy um, to be super vigilant about how much time I'm giving it and to try to avoid it when I am, when I want to use it just to kind of tune out or escape. Mm, I hope that's helpful because, you know, it's a legit issue. 
Yeah, no, that's really good advice. It's like, it's almost, it's looking, it's like your self-care, right? You're looking out for yourself first. And if you're kind of in a bad place, don't go on social media because it's going to make it worse. <laughs> well, you so, know, because yeah. there's this part of humans that is like status seeking. It's a very hmm. human thing. And social media opens up status differentials. That's what it's designed to do. That's why it's so damn addictive. Oh, that's such a great question. I'm so curious if over time we're going to figure out I don't know how it's just going to evolve. You know, it's still such a new thing and it's and it's causing a lot of problems for a lot of us. Like it just makes you kind of like always on and your phone's always dinging and you're always checking in and seeing what other people are doing. And I'm right. really curious to see like how humans will evolve with it if we'll find a happy medium in the future. But yeah. yeah. I have faith in us. I, I have faith in us. <laughs> Thank you so much, Eleanor, for being here in this conversation about radical conviction. I love that. Um, I'm sure we'll be discussing it in our Facebook community this week if you want to pop in there and say hi to us, um, because it's it's a really it's going to be a hot issue. I think this idea of visibility and and really just aligning with aligning with our power. So can you tell people where they can get in touch with you, listen to your podcast, um, yeah. work with you, things like that? Thank you. So if you're a podcast listener and you love this show, you'll probably also like Fierce Feminine Leadership. So you can find that on any of the podcast players, Fierce Feminine Leadership. If you want to know more about Radical Conviction, just go check out RadicalConviction.com. And I've got like a micro uh, course there, which people can check out, which will give you everything you need to know on cultivating that unshakable faith. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eleanor. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Wellpreneur podcast. This is the end of season six. Don't worry, we will absolutely be back. We're just gonna take a few weeks break so you can go back and catch up on the hundreds of other juicy, helpful, still totally relevant episodes to help you grow your business and be well in your life. You can get all the links to everything we talked about at the show notes, which are at wellpreneuronline.com. And also, if you're not on my email list yet, you definitely want to go to wellpreneuronline.com and sign up there for my email list, because then I'll let you know as soon as the podcast comes back, so you never miss an episode. Have a fantastic break. Enjoy catching up on the other episodes from the Wellpreneur podcast during our time off, and I will see you back here very soon with season seven. Seven. Have a great one.